Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. such as this for those of you who are streaming with us we appreciate you so much we love these folk that have come and gathered in this house today we are appreciative of the sacrifice in which you make this morning to come in order that we might bring the gospel to those who are in their homes and in other states and in other countries we thank God for your diligence and your commitment to ministry we greet you in the name of Jesus our Lord and our Savior today who was once dead, but who now lives forevermore. Amen. He's still alive. He's still alive. He's still alive. And we thank God that he got up on the third day with all power in his hands. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As we come before you today, we're praying for those who are sick and shut in. We ask that you would pray for them as well, as well as the bereaved, the bereaved. We're continuing to pray for Deacon Richard Clark, who is still recovering from COVID-19. We're still praying for Minister Keziah Daniels, who's still recovering from COVID-19. We're praying for Sister Kathleen Overturf. We're praying for Sister Evelyn Mitchell. We're praying for Brother James Ridgeway. And we're praying for Sister Talia White. We're continuing to pray for our former members, the family of Brother Alaric Williams, praying for them as they are still grieving. And then also another former member who reached out this past week, Brother Stephen Lewis, lost his 24-year-old son this past week. So we're praying for that family. For the church family, for our folk, we're praying for Sister Sarah Gordon Williams. We're praying for the McGee family. We're praying for Sister Justine Caceres who lost her grandfather this weekend to COVID. We're praying for her. And then we're praying for also Mother Maud Larkin, who lost a sister-in-law. She called me uh, yesterday evening and told me that her sister-in-law had passed away. So we're praying for all of these folks, praying for all of you, praying for all of those in the kingdom who stand in the need of prayer. Difficult time that we're facing, fires raging all over the West Coast. Not to mention we're still in the midst of the pandemic. There's so much going on and so much that the people of God need to be in prayer about. Amen. Let's go before the Lord together. Father God, how we thank and praise, how we bless thee for your blessings, Lord God, that in spite of all that's going on around us, we clearly recognize, we clearly realize that you're still in the blessing business that you are still showering down blessings upon us that our minds cannot even conceive how you've blessed us this morning to get up to a brand new day. How you allowed us to sleep even last evening 
In the midst of all that's going on around us, God, you've provided shelter for us, clothes on our back, food on our tables, a reasonable portion of health and of strength. God, how we love thee, how we praise thee, how we magnify thy holy name. God, we ask for forgiveness of our sins, forgiveness of our shortcomings, things that we've done and things that we've said, things that we've thought that are unbecoming of Christian men and Christian women. We ask, Lord God, that you would purge us even now, wash us that we would be whiter than snow. Restore unto us the joy of thy salvation. God, we come asking for a blessing upon the sick and the shut-in, the names in which we've mentioned that we're aware of, Lord God, but we know that there are probably others who lay on beds of affliction. Touch right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Touch them with your finger of love and raise them if it be your will. Strengthen their bodies and their resolve, Lord God. Set them free and on their way. God, we pray for the bereaved hearts, those who've lost loved ones, not just this week, but in recent weeks. Touch them in a special way. Let them know, Lord God, that you're still here. Draw close to them even now, Lord God, that they might feel your presence like never before. Undergird them with power and with strength. Even more so now in their time of need. Now, God, we ask that you bless the service today. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we call upon you now to speak life into dead situations, dead circumstances. Lord, I pray that you would allow me to preach as a dying man to dying men. That we might recognize and realize the blessing and the goodness, the mercy, the grace of the true and the living God. Now, God, set the preacher down. Stand your word up on the pedestal of my personality. Have your way in this place. It's in the blessed name of our Savior and our Redeemer, King Jesus, that we ask these and all blessings. Let the people of God say, Amen, amen, and amen. Come on and give God some praise. I said, come on and give God some praise. Stand with us if you're able, stand with us. I'd ask that you turn to the book of Romans, to the book of Romans. Some great theologians has referred to the book of Romans as the fifth gospel. The book of Romans, the book of Romans chapter 1. Last week we dealt in chapter 5. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Chapter 1. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Last week we dealt in chapter 1 too. Amen. Uh, two weeks ago we were in chapter 5. This week in chapter 1, we're going to pick up at verse 5. Verse 5, chapter 1 of the book of Romans. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. And it reads as follows. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done 
for them so that they will believe and obey him bringing glory to his name. Verse 6. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to tell all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his holy word. That's Romans chapter 5, verse, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. And from those verses, I'd like to use as a focal point this morning for the time that we have left. It all begins and ends with God. It all begins and ends with God. Jamal, it all begins and ends with God. Sister Lydia, it all begins and ends with God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The late great preacher and counselor to many world leaders, Reverend Dr. Gardner Taylor, with great insight and spiritual wisdom, expressed a brief synopsis of mankind, echoed by these words, and I quote, modern man, transplanter of human organs, voyager to the immensities of outer space, abolisher of distance, inventor of instantaneous communication from pole to pole, master of government, architect of his own destiny, master of his fate, and captain of his soul. And he ended by saying, what pride we have in ourselves. End of quote. What foolishness of mankind to have confidence in the fact that we are in no need of supernatural help. Believing that we ourselves are as gods and that we can find the right answers for our own problems. We possess within ourselves the capacity to implement and to execute the appropriate solution and approach to any and every circumstance in which besets us out of our own personal enlightenment. We have a tolerance for spiritual things, but we have no desperate, anxious, and concerned life and death need of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Our faith and our future rest in our own hands, or so we believe. We are like ancient Romans who had everything and yet they did not have the manifestation of God by way of Jesus Christ. 
there were a few people in Rome who understood clearly who Jesus was. But yet the city as a whole did not recognize him or acknowledge him as God. It is important that we are aware of the fact that no matter how important, how intellectual, or how mainstream we may be, if Acts chapter 17 verse 28 is true, and I believe that it is, for in him we live and move and have our being. Everything that we are and everything that we will ever be is predicated on the fact that God is operating in this world. In other words, everything and all things begins and ends with God. There is no way of skirting around him. You cannot erase God from the equation for if you do, the math does not make sense. Here in Romans chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, in this greeting, in this salutation, Paul takes a moment to summarize the position in which these believers and we who are believers are privileged to occupy. We are in a unique position in which we are undeserving and unworthy of and yet, because of God's grace, because of God's mercy, because of God's love, he has allowed us to enter into this honored state of being. Because in verse 5, the Bible tells us by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. The King James Version of the Bible tells us there that God has allowed us by way of his own will to enter into a fellowship of apostleship and obedience, not because of who you are, not because of what you've done, not because of your skin color or the length of your hair, not because of the color of your eyes, not because of your zip code in which you live, but because of the fact that God rained down grace and mercy upon us, even though we were undeserving of it. And it is amazing to me to be around believers who do not recognize the fact that God has given you something that you're undeserving of. Most people believe that you are a mover and a shaker in the kingdom because of your gifts and your talents. There are some people who believe that the reason you have been protected and watched over is because of the safe neighborhood in which you live. But the devil is a liar. It is the grace and the mercy of the God that we serve that has kept us and covered us in spite of ourselves. Don't you know that God himself has placed a hedge of protection around you and kept you from danger seen and unseen danger. It is not because you deserved it. It is because that he desired to give you the best. And therefore, we ought to be thankful. We ought to be joyous. We ought to be hopeful for who God is and what God has done. And I believe that a grateful folk believe in praising God. I believe that a 
joyful folk believe in glorifying God. I believe that hopeful folk believe in giving God praise, even when it appears there's nothing to praise him for. I know that it's early this morning. I know there's stuff going on all around you, but don't you know just to have your mind regulated where you can think through some situations and some circumstances is all determined and predicated by the God that we serve. The reason you're not homeless is not necessarily because you've made all the right decisions. The fact of the matter is God was covering and watching out for you even when you didn't have enough sense to cover and watch out for yourself. I feel like preaching this morning. Y'all about to get it because the fact of the matter is we ought to be a grateful people. We ought to be a loving people. We ought to be mindful of the fact it all begins and ends with God. It all begins and ends with God. We have been engrafted into an honored state. An honored state is not being a member of the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church. Though I'm greatly appreciative to be in this church, to be with these folks, it is not the exercise of our gifts and our talents. The honored state is that we get to tell a lost world, the Gentile world, about a living and a loving Savior. Your greatest commission, your greatest command, your greatest testimony, your greatest sermonette is to tell somebody of a living and a loving Savior. But here's what I've realized. Sometimes you can't tell folk about a living and a loving Savior if you're waiting for them to show up at church. But when you begin to realize that everything begins and ends with God, you can look at these verses and they will begin to literally leap up off the page and you have a newfound respect and appreciation for who God is and for what God has done. Let's chase the text. Let's chase the text. It's right there. It's right there. The Bible says in verse 6, verse 6, verse 6, verse 5 is a setup to verse 6. But verse 6 says, among whom are ye also called of Jesus Christ? Th th that is the, that is the uh, uh, King James Version. But here's what the New Living Version says. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. You, you are included amongst the Gentiles. Here's the first thing. God himself located us. Yeah, just, just stay with me. We're going to flow. We're going to flow. God himself located us. Now, some people are going to look there and say, well, preacher, I don't see that. The Bible says in the King James Version, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. And the New Living Translation says, and you are included among the Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. And your first move, your first point, your first principle is defined as God himself located 
us. Let, let me see if we can unpack it. We family are selected, we are designated, and we are chosen by Jesus Christ himself. He, he was not alerted to us because of anything that we had done, but it was of his own good pleasure that he selected us. You were picked out of all of the millions of people who have walked the earth throughout its history. God determined that we would be called of Jesus Christ. The word call, kletos in the Greek, means invited. It means welcomed. It means appointed. Originally, it was used to designate those who were invited to a banquet. To, to designate those who were invited to a banquet, those who were invited to a celebratory event, a celebratory event, something in which someone or something was being celebrated. If we were to use our spiritual imagination, in order to be invited to a banquet, the invitee would have to know your location in order to send you an invitation. From an earthly perspective, it would be virtually impossible to invite someone to anything without a phone number or an email address or some type of way of reaching the individual. God sought us out. He hunted us down. He pursued us. God, by way of his holy providence, looked amongst the muck and the mire, the grit and the grime, in crack houses and outhouses and white houses and literally delivered us from the affliction in which we were in. You didn't go looking for God. God came looking for you. And it's important that you understand that God himself located you. You were in the club partying away. You were hanging out with the hymns and the hers. And God reached down and grabbed you from the midst of your situation. You were out there spending your money frivolously and running around with guns and games and God said no more I got bigger things for you I got better plans for you because God located you himself you may have been in a college dorm you were on your way somewhere but you realize that earthly wisdom is not the best wisdom but there's godly wisdom that leads to earthly blessing and therefore when God came looking for you you raised your hand and said Lord your servant hearest thou Lord, please speak. Please speak to me. There are people in the kingdom right now that realizes and recognizes and remembers when it is and where they were when God came and tapped them on the shoulder. Your Damascus Road experience, because all of us have one, when God knocked you off your beast, it may have been a beast of money. It may have been a beast of immorality. It may have been a beast of financial fortitude. It may have been a beast of your job. It may have been a beast of education. It may have been a beast of dysfunctional family. It may have been a beast of a broken marriage. It may have been a beast when your father wasn't there and your mother wasn't there. But God knocked you off of it and he said, why prosecutest thou me? And you said, Lord, who are thou? He says, I am the Lord Jesus Christ and your life has never ever been the same. Is there anybody here that can testify it changed? It changed the day I met him, it all changed for me. My eyes were 
opened. My senses were new. My perspective was redefined because I met a God who can take anybody and save them. Thank God he located me. Is there anybody in here to say, Lord, thank you for locating me. Thank you for locating me. Out of all the millions of people, God, you put your stamp of approval on my life and called my name and wrote it in the Lamb's book of life. God himself located you. It was not a preacher. It was not a pastor. It was not a choir member, choir director, a usher, a deacon. But God himself located you. Not only did God locate us in order to invite us to this celebratory event, instead of us bringing gifts to him, he showered down gifts on us. This is the God that we serve. The greatest of which is the inheritance in which he allows us to partake of and to share in. The Bible describes for us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Isn't it good to know that God cannot be influenced by other people and what he thinks about his own children? Isn't it good to know that nobody else can put something in the mind, the spiritual mind of God that would cause him to turn his back on you, but that God operates in his own will. In other words, whatever God has determined is what God is going to do. And I want you to know there are blessings with your name on it because God has determined to bless you because of your faithfulness, because of your love, because of your dependence, because of your compassion. God is saying, I'm going to bless you. Well, how do you know? Because the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That means everything I stand in need of, God has a plan to bless me with it. That everything that I need in this life, not that I want, but that which I need because he located us and he invited us to this banquet, to this celebratory experience. That means God is providing all of the stuff at the banquet. There is nothing more irritating to me than for people to invite me to a gathering and I have to bring stuff for your celebration. I don't mind bringing you a gift, but I should not have to pack up food and beverages and tents and, and accessories in order for your event. Here is the blessing about God. Unlike many of us, God invited you and he said, just come as you are. You didn't have to put on a black tie. You didn't have to buy a ballroom dress. God said, just come as you are. You didn't have to rent a fancy automobile. God said, come as you are. And the blessing of the God that we serve is that you can come as you are. But I guarantee you, once you've been around him, you will not stay as you are. How can you be in the midst of a hurricane and not fend the wind and the rain? How can you be in the midst of an earthquake and not feel the trembling under your feet? How can you not be in the midst of a heat storm? 
storm and not feel the heat bearing down on you. When you've been in the presence of the true and the living God, I am telling you, you know it without a shadow of a doubt. Is there anybody that's ever been in his presence? The Bible says in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. Is there anybody that's ever been in God's presence when you couldn't keep still, you couldn't sit still, you couldn't keep your hands folded, you had to raise them, you had to clap, you had to stomp, you had to jump, you had to move because it is a banquet, it is a celebratory experience. It all begins and ends with God. God himself located us. God himself. He didn't send somebody out to perform the task. He did it himself. But not only did God himself locate us, look at the first portion of verse 7. The Bible says, and I'm writing to all of you in Rome, who are loved of God. Not only did God himself locate us, but God himself loves us. My goodness. Somebody needs to know today that God loves you. No matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, God loves you. Believers are beloved of God. Hmm. We are held close to the heart of God, counted precious and dear to him, and deeply loved by him. How sad it is that many people spend their entire lives desiring and craving and eagerly searching for someone to love them. How sad it is how they're willing to compromise themselves in order that someone would say, I love you. But in order for me to love you, you have to do certain things that appeal to me. And yet God says that all you have to do in order to appeal to him is to acknowledge that he is real. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 that without faith it's impossible to please him for those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When the fact of the matter is family, God already loves you. In spite of your flaws, in spite of your frailties, in spite of your failures, God loves you. In spite of your mistakes, in spite of your mishaps, in spite of your misfortunes, God God loves you in spite of your accidents, in spite of your admonitions, and in spite of your afflictions, God loves you. And nowhere in the entire world, whether it be your mama or your daddy or your husband or your wife or your children, nowhere in the entire world is love witnessed in such a pure, in such a perfect, in such a prevailing, 
in such a powerful and in such a precious way that it is being manifested by the God that we served. God loves you so much he allowed the sun to rise this morning. God loves you so much that you're clothed in your right mind. God loves you so much that you got shoes on your feet and the use of your extremities. God loves you so much that you're able to think and to regulate in your mind. God loves you so much that you got family and you got friends around you. God loves you so much that there was food on your table this morning. God loves you so much that you had shelter over your head last night. God loves you so much that you had a car to bring you down here this morning. God loves you so much that you got a couple of nickels in your pocket to rub together. God loves you so much that you got warm blood flowing through your veins and oxygen in your lungs. God loved you so much that he provided this great edifice for us to come in and to praise and to worship him, the house of prayer. I'm telling you today, family, that God loves you. Don't worry about who don't love you. Focus on the fact that God does love you. God himself located us and God himself loves us. There are some people just don't like your flow. They don't like your oil. They don't like your demeanor. They don't like your attitude. They don't like your swagger. Yeah, they, they don't like your pokertude. But thank God that in spite of all the folk that's hating on you, thank God, in spite of all the folk who's dismissing you, thank God, in spite of all the folk who's walked out your life, don't want nothing to do with you, when they walked out, God walked in and said, guess what? Pull up a chair. We got fellowship to do. Amen. That's the God that we serve because he loves us. Mm. God's love is not flawed. It does not fluctuate. God's love has no lack nor limit in it. God's love is not prejudice and there's no partiality in the love of the God that we serve. God's love is real. It's factual. It's tangible. The Bible reminds us, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me saying, yea, I have loved thee an everlasting love. Therefore, with love and kindness have I drawn thee. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. God's love is beyond human comprehension. Well, why would you say that, Pastor? Because logically, I don't understand why he loves me the way that he does. I can't speak for anybody else, but when I evaluate my own life, when I look back over the years of my past, things that I've done and ways that I've behaved, it marvels me that God in his holiness and in his righteousness would love a wretch like me. Before Frederick Whitfield ever wrote the words, oh how I love Jesus, John had already written in the gospel of chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting 
everlasting life. The thing that I love about God's love is God's love is perpetually taking care of me. There are some people in your life, you can picture them right now, that told you they loved you and yet they left you. But the God that we serve, his love is moving, it's active, it is always on point. God does not love you for a moment because here is the key with the God's love. God's love is not predicated on momentary satisfaction or momentary agreement or alignment with you. The love of God is determined by the fact that God commended his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, when you were bad, he still loved you. When you were ignorant, he still loved you. When you were foolish, he still loved you. When you were wayward, he still loved you. When your character was bent and twisted, God still loved you. When you were sleeping around, God still loved you. When you were drinking yourself into a stupor, God still loved you. When you were smoking everything in sight, God still loved you. Is there anybody that can testify, I ain't always been perfect, and I ain't always been right, and I ain't always done things according to the will or the way or the word of the God that we serve. But the fact of the matter is, I'm glad, I'm glad he loves me. Point to somebody and tell him, I'm telling you, he loves me. You may not dig me like I think you do or like I think you should, but the God that I serve loves me. God himself located us and God himself loves us. But then here's the last thing, family. We got to go. We got to go. We got to roll. We got to roll. The second part of verse 7, the second part of verse 7, the Bible says, and are called to be his own holy people. The New Living Translation says, God, uh, loved by God, and are called to be his own holy people. We are called and loved by God, but then we're also called to be his own holy people. The King James Version says, called to be saints. Hmm. Saints. The actual rendering in the Greek says called saints, not called to be saints. Uh, it's a, it's a wordplay there. There's a wordplay there. The actual rendering before the translators got a hold of it, it just says in the Greek that we're called saints, not called to be saints. The words to be are not in the Greek text, but were inserted by translators. And this insertion creates a problem because of the doctrinal error that it can force people or potentially force them or influence them to teach to the body of Christ. We're not called to be saints. We are already saints if we have believed and trusted 
in Jesus Christ as our Savior. If you're saved, you're a saint right now. It is not something that comes over time. It is something that you have the moment that you profess Jesus as Lord and Savior and invite him in to your life. The moment that you do that, you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and therefore you have transitioned over from an ain't to a saint. The ain't are those who are in the world. The saints are those who are in the kingdom. The word saint is from the word hagios, which has the basic meaning of being set apart. Set apart. In the Old Testament, many things and many people were divinely set apart by God for his own purposes and his own use. The tabernacle, the temple, and all of the furnishings, specifically the Ark of the Covenant, were set aside by God for his purpose and for his use. Listen to me, we're going somewhere. The tribe of Levi, those people were set aside for ministry, but they were set apart in the priesthood for the purpose and for the use of the God that we serve. The children of Israel, God's chosen ones, God's called ones, who consisted of many blessings and many gifts, but they were set aside for the purpose and for the use of the God that we serve. But not only do you have to understand the word saint, you have to understand the word holy. Because the Bible says that we're holy people and or holy saints. In addition to the Old Testament being set apart, the word holy refers to a person not only being set apart by God, not only being set apart for his purpose and for his use from the world in which they are living, but it also means that they are made like God in that because he is holy, they are now holy. It is not predicated on any act that they can do, but the fact that they believed in God, they have now been set apart or set aside for the purpose and the use of God. Let me bring it home. That means because you are a saint of God and a holy saint of God, that God has set you aside for his purpose and for his use. That means that there's something distinctly special about you. That there's something in the kingdom that is needful for you to do that can nobody else do it the way that you do it. You have been set aside from the things of the world. That's the reason people don't understand why you think the way that you do. That's the reason they cannot comprehend why it is you praise the way that you do. That's the reason they cannot fathom how it is that you can have hope and joy in the midst of bills piling up, in the midst of pink slips being given out on the job, in the midst of people talking about you and lying on you and slandering your holy name. The fact of the matter is you've been set aside to be holy for the purpose and the use of the God that we serve. Well, what does that mean, preacher? That means that I got to do things right. That means I got to stay on the straight and the narrow. That means I got to lay aside weights and sins that so easily beset me. That means I got to look to Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of my faith. That means that no weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. That means if God be for me, who can be against me? That means
means I got to walk uprightly because God has called me to do so. That means I've been set aside for the purpose and the use of the God that we serve. God not only located me, God not only loved me, but guess what? God lifted me. He lifted me to saintlyhood. I was coming back to it. I know you were waiting. He lifted me to be holy. He lifted me to be a saint. He lifted me to be righteous. He lifted me to be good. He lifted me to be holy, to be righteous, to be good, to be loving, to be hopeful. God has lifted us out of the muck and the mire and set our feet on a solid rock, not just for the purpose of salvation, but for the purpose of saintliness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we don't, we don't talk like we used to talk. Yeah, we don't do things like we used to do because God has lifted us to a higher level. And guess what? When God raises you above some stuff, you can look down on some stuff and say to yourself, I remember when, if you had caught me on the wrong day five years ago, I'd have put you in your place. Yeah, but now guess what? I've lifted up so high above the foolishness, Sister Lydia, that I ain't gonna even play in the sandbox of that idiotic behavior because God has done too much for me and lifted me too high up the mountain of sanctification for me to get caught up in some foolishness and risk ruining my own testimony. Don't you know that as God has raised you up and lifted you up, he did it for the purpose that you would have a testimony to be able to go out and tell the Gentile world. Mm. God himself located you. He tapped you on the shoulder and said, okay, enough is enough. Why? Because it all begins and ends with God. He located you in order that you might be invited to a special occasion special function, a celebratory experience. But not only did God himself locate us, God himself loves us. You can say to yourself, boy, I love me some Jesus. And you know what Jesus says? I love me some you too. Yeah, he, he loves you, even when you're unlovely, even when you're unlovable. On your worst day, God still loves you. Nobody else may have told you today, hey, I love you. L let me say it on behalf of the God that I serve. I love you. I love you. There's something different about you. There's something special about you that God himself would love us. But not only does God himself locate us, not only did God himself love us, but God himself has lifted us. You've been lifted above the fray. You's a saint now. 
And I'm not talking about them rascals in New Orleans. Yeah. I'm talking about saintliness to the point where you walk different. And you talk different. And you behave different. Because God has called you out of the darkness. Placed you marvelous light. God took you off the Damascus road and put you on a street called Straight. He lifted you. And you know what I've realized? When God lifts you to higher places and to higher heights, people are going to tug at you and try to push you back down to where they believe you ought to be. But you ought to remind yourself when God lifts you up, I ain't got to go back. I ain't got to go back. I'm going forward in the things of God because there's a celebration that's going to be happening. Well, preacher, you didn't get to the celebration. Oh, there's a celebration. There's a celebration. The celebration is coming. It's coming. It's coming. When we all get to heaven, yeah, what, what, a, what a joyous time that's going to be, amen. We're going we gonna to celebrate, we're going to praise God all throughout eternity. We're going to be able to clap for the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. We'll be singing praise songs up there. We'll be worshiping him throughout all eternity. There's going to be a great celebration up there. You're going to see grandmama and granddaddy and mama and cousin and sisters and some of you are going to see your babies that have gone on before you, but it's going to be a celebration up there. I don't know about you, but when I celebrate, I get loud. I get loud when I celebrate. When I celebrate, there's excitement and enthusiasm, enthusiasm that comes upon me. When I celebrate, I want everybody else to know I'm in a joyous mood and it's a joyous moment when you celebrate up there. I'm telling you, we're going to shout, we're going to scream, we're going to clap, we're going to praise. It's going to be a celebration. Because God has invited you to the celebration. Listen, family, it all begins and ends with God. And if you receive that word, let's say amen and give God some praise. I said, let's say amen and give God some praise. Listen, family, for those of you who are watching us via live stream, be a recorded worship service. We want you to know that you also can be invited to the celebration. You may not have gotten your invitation yet, but we have one to extend on behalf of the master. We have an invitation for you. The invitation is you need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. That he came down through 42 generations, born of a virgin and laid in a barn. Walked about doing good. Nobody ever spoke the way he spoke. Confounding the wise men even at a young age. Walked on water, opened blind eyes, unstopped deaf ears. And one day they falsely arrested him. 
did a mock trial in the middle of the night, nailed him to a cross where he hung, bled, and died for the sins of the world. But thank God he got up three days later with all power in his hand. And he did it in order to invite you to a celebration. Pray with me today. God, we thank and praise. We bless you for your blessings. We pray, Lord God, if there's anyone listening, anyone watching, by way of the airwaves, God, we pray today that your word would convict their hearts and their minds, that they'll not only be hearers of this word, but that they will accept you with a pardon of their sins in order that they might be doers of your word. God, I pray right now that wherever they are, they would literally bow their heads and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that they would believe in their heart that God, you the Father, has raised him from the dead. And your word reminds us that if we do that, we are saved. Now, God, we pray that if anyone who's prayed that prayer, Lord God, today they've just walked out of darkness into the marvelous light. Let the people of God say, amen, amen, amen. Listen, we appreciate you. We thank God for you. I thank God for all of my brothers and my sisters that are here this morning. We appreciate, once again, the sacrifice in which you make. Listen, family, in this 2020 experience, don't forget, in all of your being, in all of your doing, and in all of your getting, God will be glorified. God bless you. We'll see you soon. It's Pastor Thomas, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. We pray that something was said that encouraged you and inspired your heart during this difficult time. I pray that you are being strong and that your spiritual resolve is being fortified and strengthened during this difficult time. To the Mount Sinai family, we want to encourage you, if you've not done so yet, to make sure that as you go on to the website, that you would take a moment to go on and hit the PayPal button and that you would send your tithes and your offerings to the church. We are still a church body, and we are still in need of the financial support in which you provide on a consistent and regular basis. If you do not feel comfortable by sending your tithes and offerings by way of PayPal, you can feel free to send a money order or a check or a cashier's check to the church. Uh, attention, uh, our secretary, Sister Lydia Hayes, she'll make sure that the deacons get it. We ask that you please do not send cash to the church. And then also we want to encourage those of you who are listening in other states and other countries, we want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you are encouraged today by that which you've heard. And also, uh, for those of you who are unchurched and unsaved, I pray that this not take the place of uh, a local ministry for you, but that you would go and find a Bible preaching, Bible teaching, and God-fearing church to join with and become a part of that you might go forth sowing much fruit in the kingdom of God. Father, we love you and we thank God for you. And remember, God will be glorified.